The guideline that I have followed since I was born again in 1975 is this. If I can find an example in the New Testament Bible of God speaking to a person in the New Testament church by an angel, then I will know it could happen to us today. Immediately, I think of the Apostle Paul, who was a prisoner on a ship. They were in great danger of shipwreck and perishing by the storm that was upon the ship. Start reading Acts 27, verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told to me. An angel of God stood by Paul. Paul was already an apostle of the New Testament church, and yet an angel of God spoke to him. If an angel of God would speak to Paul, in the New Testament church, God could use an angel to speak to us. I was sure of that. If I can see an example in the New Testament Bible of it happening to someone in the New Testament church, then I know it can happen to us today. I had, I believe, an angel of God speak to me in 1980, January 10th. It was in the night while I was sleeping. A very powerful voice, a voice like a trumpet, said to me three words, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed and wrote KWJS on a notepad because it appeared to me those were call letters to either radio or television, and I didn't want to mix up the letters. God had been training me since I was born again for the ministry. 
After I was born again, in the night, I was sleeping. I was taken into heaven where I was merged into the body of Jesus, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. I was made one with the Word of God. I saw no physical images. It was strictly a spiritual happening. A few nights later, the exact same thing happened again. I was totally on fire for things of God. I no longer cared about my business, which I owned at the time in American Indian arts. All I cared about was Bible and being with the people of God. I no longer wanted to be with the worldly people that I had been with before. I wanted to be with the people of God. I didn't know what this meant, but I was reading a book about Exodus, and the author said something that struck me strongly, that sometimes when God has a job for someone to do, he will send a special happening. And I felt being taken into heaven twice had to do with being ordained by God for the offices that he had assigned me in the ministry, which were apostle and prophet. And from the time I was born again in 1975, God took me through the Bible, reading through the Bible, studying all the prophets. And then one day God said to me when I was driving down the road, I have called you and set you in the body of Christ as an apostle. And I said, Apostle? What's an apostle? Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that after Jesus arose, he gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4, 11, 12. The church I was attending at that time professed to believe that apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers were given to the New Testament church by Jesus to be ministers. But I didn't know anyone who said they were apostle. And at this point in time, I was very interested to meet an apostle in the New Testament church, to talk to one. So I went to our Bible teacher at church and I said, who are the apostles here. It shocked him. He said, I don't know. And I said, well, what do apostles do? And he said, I don't know. So God began teaching me. I had no human to copy other than the Bible. But God took me to the Bible in Acts 15 where they were having a meeting. A problem had come up. Do the Gentiles have to be circumcised? And much discussion went on. 
And the apostles and elders met at Jerusalem to discuss this subject and basically make a ruling for the church on this subject. And each one of them spoke, Paul spoke, Peter spoke, and then it said James rendered his sentence. And that was that the Gentiles did not have to be circumcised. That in the new covenant we were saved by faith. And God showed me that apostles have a special anointing to deal with matters like this by the Word of God. Prophets, it's very obvious. We studied all the prophets, Old and New Testament. There are quite a few prophets listed in the New Testament in the book of Acts. So prophets were sent to the churches with corrections, with messages from God, but often they were corrections for the church, always to the church. Prophets are always sent to the church. You can read that in Ezekiel chapter 3. God said, I send you to the children of Israel. If I sent you to the world, they would believe you, but the church won't believe you because they are impotent and hard-hearted. So if you care to read that, that's Ezekiel chapter 3. God took me through all the scriptures in the Old and New Testament about prophets. For five years, God taught me from the Bible and convinced me that I was to be a minister. In 1979, I was persuaded that it was time to close my business, to, so to speak, go into the ministry. I had no place to go. I had no job. I had nothing I even considered. I just closed my business and came home. I had $22,000 left over from the merchandise in the shop, and I knew I could live on that money until God showed me what to do. At one point, there was a job open for dean of women at a school in Dallas, Christ for the Nations. I considered applying for it. I have an earned doctorate in education, so I might have gotten that job. But it didn't seem to fit the things that I was shown in the Bible that I was to work in. So I didn't apply. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't apply at any church for any form of paid salary, for any form of work. I just continued to stay home and read the Bible for the next six months and wait on God. Then the night of January the 10th, 1980, five years after I was born again, in the night while I was sleeping, an angel of God spoke to me. Three words. It was like a trumpet sounding in my ear. The three words were Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I was pretty shocked, 
It seemed to me like KWJS would be call letters to either radio or television, and I found it was a radio station. So I said to God, Are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. And I also said, I'm a writer, not a speaker. Immediately after I said to God, I wouldn't know how to do that, and I heard, call the radio station manager. So that same morning, I called the radio station manager at KWJS, and I said to him, God might be showing me to go on radio. How would you do that? He said, make an audition tape 29 and a half minutes long. If you fit our programming, we will offer you a contract. As soon as I got off the phone, I found my tape recorder, set it up, got the kitchen timer, set it to 29 and a half minutes, prayed, and began sharing that which God brought to my mind by the Holy Spirit. That same morning, I put the tape in the mail to the radio station manager. Within five days, I was broadcasting on radio station KWJS, Exhortations to the Church, Monday through Fridays. There's kind of a funny story. A woman over in Fort Worth, her um, best friend was Vanetta Copeland, Kenneth Copeland's mother, and Lily was her name, Lily McBride. Lily had been praying for KWJS to put a real person of faith on their 12 o'clock broadcast. Somebody was there and had left, and she wanted a faith person. So she'd been praying for God to fill that time. One day, she turns on the radio And a woman starts speaking, and she says, Oh, a woman? No, God, no. She got up to go turn the radio off. But before she could get to the radio, she became interested in what I was saying. And she became a real fan, (laughs) never missing a broadcast. The radio went real well. I was rather amazed. I was very popular. I decided to go on radio in Houston, then Oklahoma City, and then God gave me a plan which put me on radio from coast to coast instantly. That plan I called Purchase a City for A $1,000 offering, you could put me on a city of your choice on radio. And people bought those cities. And one woman put me on Washington, D.C. I I would have never chosen Washington, D.C. But she was very interested in power up in that area of the country and politics. I never was involved in politics. But that drew her attention, so she gave a $1,000 offering. I went on radio 
in Washington, D.C. That was just one of many cities. Usually within six weeks, I would have enough offerings from that city to pay for the radio broadcast in that city. And then I would go into that city and have a meeting for the radio audience. Instantly, people sent money where I was put on radio from New York City to Seattle, literally Hartford to Seattle. Remember the words that angel spoke to me? Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. And for the first couple of years, everything went really well. I wrote a little book, and it just sold out every time it was printed. It sold in the churches. Fifty cents, a little handbook, taking thoughts captive. The congregations were vastly increasing in size. So it was going really well. Then in 1982, I was on an airplane en route back from a meeting when the Holy Spirit began speaking to me. And it was over and over the same thing. The time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. The time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Over and over, I kept hearing this all the way back to Dallas. I had no idea what that meant. The next day, God reminded me of something Jimmy Swaggart had done. He wanted larger congregations, larger audiences to come to his meeting. So he joined Michael Ellison Advertising Agency, and Ellison told him, what you need to do is cut back on the preaching, and don't preach so much, but play more music. Swigert was a country-western-type piano player, singer. And more people will come to your meetings. And the size of meetings changed dramatically from about 400 people to over 2,000. And the message that I felt I had received from God about Swigert was cut back on the entertainment and preach the Word of God. So I had to try to get that Swigert. Now, preachers surround themselves typically with people to keep messages away from them, to um, deal with any type of letter that comes to them or to deal with people coming into the offices where they are. I couldn't get a message to Swigert. He owned KWJS, and he also owned the station in Houston. But I couldn't get a message to him. I tried getting one to him by letter identifying myself as a prophet. 
And then I had a message for Jim Baker. That was back in 1982, before all the scandals came. And the message I had for Baker was on the subject of adultery. I didn't know Baker. I didn't know anything about him. I sent him a message on a cassette tape. I got a letter back from Baker, supposedly, and he said in that letter, Dear Jesus, the name of the ministry that I work in is Jesus Ministries. And the letterhead on the envelope and the letterhead on the letter I wrote to Baker was under the name Jesus Ministries, and whoever opened the letter thought the name of the person was Jesus. And Baker said, Dear Jesus, I want to thank you for the inspiring message. I want you to know, Jesus, that Tammy Faye and I prayed for you today. Well, obviously, Baker didn't write the letter. Baker didn't pray for Jesus that day. It was all phony. It was just a few weeks after that that he was arrested by the United States government for fraud on his theme park. I think in the Carolinas or someplace. And taken to jail in handcuffs. It also came out at the same time that he was having a sexual affair with a woman who was a secretary there at his church. And she went on Playboy magazine and did an expose about Baker. Her name was Jessica Hahn. So the message I was given by God for him was on the subject of adultery. But I didn't know that until after I sent the message. When I couldn't get messages to the men and women that God gave me messages for, these were big-time radio, TV people, God persuaded me by scripture to record a message on my own radio broadcast and give that message from coast to coast, naming the minister and telling the sin that the minister was doing. The scripture God used to get me to see that I could and should do this was a scripture Paul spoke. I, I'm not sure where it is exactly, but you'll find it under Alexander the coppersmith because Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. He greatly withstood our words. Beware of him also. So he was warning the church about this man. By that, I could see that it was proper to warn the church 
Therefore, I recorded the message, named the minister, put it on radio from coast to coast. Instantly, Swigert's two stations put me off the air without any notification. They just stopped the broadcast. About half of the radio stations left me on at that time, and about half of them put me off. There was enormous hate mail that came in to our office from the radio audiences. And during that time, God gave me a dream to warn me. In the dream, he showed it to me this way. There was a, two football teams were playing each other. One was University of Texas, the other was North Texas, and these were very mismatched. Uh, Texas much stronger. He showed me a running back who had once played for Texas, but now switched sides and was playing for North Texas, the weaker team. And he showed me the Texas football players that would just crush this running back when they snapped the ball. I mean, I knew this running back was so overmatched by the Texas players that he would be injured or hurt. And just as the ball snapped, I heard these words. Don't go until you see Exodus 15. Instantly, I canceled my appearances that I had scheduled all over the United States. I just canceled everything. I continued on radio, but I canceled my personal appearances because I believed with all my heart God showed me I'd be in danger. Then he showed me a scripture in John 16, Verses 1 through 3. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. A woman who worked for me said, you, you don't really believe that God would allow anyone to kill you, do you? And I said, yes, I do. He allowed John the Baptist to be killed. She said, oh. I believe God warned me I was in danger if I went to those meetings of my, for my radio audience, so I canceled all the meetings for the rest of the year. One of the people that was a friend of ours said, Joan, you can't do this. If you go out there, they'll give money, but if you don't go, you'll lose money. I said, I don't care. I'm not going. That dream was from God to warn me I'm not going, and I didn't go. And we did lose money, but it was okay because I'd been put off of the radio in several cities anyway, and we didn't need that much money because we didn't have the radio broadcast. We had some of them, but we didn't have all of them. 
So it all worked out just fine. I just stayed home and recorded messages for the radio stations that we still had. It was a very dark period of time, but God got me through it, and it worked out just fine, and that was 19, probably 84. I still wrote messages for the radio audience that communicated with me, but the numbers reduced greatly from thousands to hundreds. Of course, there was far less money, but it didn't matter because I wasn't spending any money anyway. I just stayed at my apartment in Dallas, which cost $180 a month, and wrote the messages and recorded broadcasts for the stations where I was still on radio. In 2012, in a dream, God showed me to start a blog. So I started the blog, and we were so shocked when the first day the blog went out, we had two people in Germany contacted us. We really hadn't even realized the blog was all over the world, like World Wide Web. We didn't know anything. Then in 2015, I had a leading to go on Amazon and write books. And it went all over the world by the free book program. And then in 2020, I think it was, in a dream, God showed me to begin doing podcasts. And they go all over the world. So God restored it all through internet that had been lost through radio. And now I can live in great peace at home recording these podcasts and writing exhortations on our blog and writing books on Amazon. So basically, I wanted to share with you, if you can find an example in the New Testament of God speaking by an angel, he might speak to you that way. I didn't ever ask God to speak to me by an angel. He just spoke to me twice by angels. At least that's what I believe. If you have examples of the Holy Spirit being given to the church and giving information to the church, you can know that the Holy Spirit can give information to you. Whatever you see done in the New Testament Bible, it could happen to you by the will of God. You don't conjure it. You don't make it happen. It just is something by the will of God that God does to communicate with you as he wills, as is needed. And that is the understanding that God gave me to give me faith that God speaks to the New Testament church today 
through dreams, through visions, through angels, and by the word brought to our mind by the Holy Spirit. Because I have seen all of this happen in the New Testament Bible to God's people. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.